Welcome back to another episode of About Pay. I'm Caitlin Knopp, CEO of Pequity, your comp operating system. And today I'm really excited about our speaker. Um, she is a female founder running a compliance software, I want to say, um, and has an amazing background as a veteran, is very passionate about pay equity as well. Um, and I'll let her do the duty of describing her background herself, but we have Roxanne Petraeus from Athena here today. Roxanne, welcome, and thank you so much for being on our show. Yeah, you bet. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and I'm happy to share a little bit about like what we <laughs> do because compliance is um, not it's the most broad. Yeah. Um, okay, so what we what Athena does, um, and I'm the co-founder and CEO, um, if you've ever had to take like that annual, you get that email, you're due for, say, sexual harassment prevention training, and you kind of roll your eyes and think like, there goes an hour uh. of my life. Um, we do that. <laughs> But we do it in a way that's about education and behavior change instead of just checking a legal box. And so mm -hmm. um, that looks like training over time with really relevant information and scenarios um, so that the topics stay top of mind instead of just, quote, knock it out once a year. And then mm -hmm. we use data and analytics to see our employees learning. Are they more comfortable reporting issues, um, mm. et cetera? And we, of course, also check all of the legal boxes that companies are required to do. So it's sort of a, if you are going to check a box, you might as well get something out of it has been the perspective. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. And how and when and why did you choose to build a compliance company? Yeah, it's definitely not, um, a I don't think I knew what compliance meant, you know, in my 20s. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I was in the army. That's where I started my career. And in the army, oh, I took wow. some like absolutely incredible training. So learning to jump out of a plane or deploy to combat. Um, the army just had really like best in class, you know, repetition, um, uh, relevant scenarios, all of it. But then they also had um, some training that was called check the box training, which was compliance training. And mm. it was very bad and just perfunctory. And we would all walk into a room once a year and get talked at. And the training yeah. was kind of a joke. So it would be like, don't sexually harass your colleagues unless she's hot. And you'd be like, oh my gosh, like this yeah. is not, like this is actually worse than doing nothing. Like, yeah. Um, and I, I really disliked wasting time. And I really disliked some of the issues that uh, this training was intended to, um, to address, like, you know, harassment. And so when I left and I, um, I um, eventually ended up at McKinsey, and was just surprised to see that, you know, a firm that has like best in class corporate training also had mm -hmm. what felt very check the box risk focused training. And so um, I talked to a mentor of mine who was in the insurance space. And uh, I was like, I've got this idea for if you could make it effective and actually like reduce um, the likelihood of incidents instead of just checking a box so that when inevitably Tim does something right. bad or Susie gets in trouble, you know, you've got a certificate for all of them. And um, essentially he was like, yeah, you know, it's actually a brilliant idea because no one's really done this. Um, all angel invest, like go, go start this company. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was like <laughs> a really kind of fortuitous, like mix of my experience in the army, plus uh, seeing a business opportunity at McKinsey. Wow. What a great mentor. Also yeah, appreciated. I know. <laughs> like kind of those fortuitous moments. That's amazing. And, you know, compliance, like you said, I compensation probably falls in a similar category. It's kind of the boring category. People yeah. are like, oh my gosh, I don't want to talk about it. But I find it fascinating because compensation actually does have a lot of overlap with compliance. Totally. Um, and I'm curious, you know, where do you see compliance overlap with pay or comp or even DEI and pay equity since those are hot topics right now? Yeah, I think you're exactly right. And I think what's super interesting is like five years ago, these were kind of all like, 
legal or sort of back office HR type issues. Yeah. They weren't really like strategic kind of top of mind. And there's so many things that have changed in the past couple of years to include like employee um, experience being really valued, companies sort of recognizing that talent acquisition is everything. DEI mm-hmm. moving from, again, kind of a check the box sort of thing to um, like in particular, you know, generational change, really pushing for it to be a core part of um, a company, not just kind of this like um, side thing. Um, and then regulatory changes. So yep. in my space, um, New York, California, Illinois, they all rolled out requirements that every year a company train on sexual harassment prevention annually. Like this mm-hmm. isn't a like, oh, if you feel like doing it, go ahead. It's like New York says you got one or more employee, you got to do this. Um, wow. And so like all of those, um, and then for pay transparency, you know, similar regulatory changes, Colorado, New York, California, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So I think they're all kind of a bunch of different trends sort of converging on a push for like valuing employee experience um, and mm-hmm. recognizing that that needs to go beyond uh, like sort of who traditionally counted as an employee. So not just white men who, you know, um, but instead like making sure that that has like inclusivity in a, in a um, broad sense and then regulatory changes. So even if a company maybe doesn't inherently want to do some of these uh, things, now there are requirements that um, that are there as well. Couldn't agree more. It definitely, the past five years is a good barometer. I feel like it has just caught fire and just yeah. blowing across the nation right now. And it's for good measure, right? And I love that you mentioned that you measure the outcomes because I think that that totally. is, in all my roles, something that companies really struggled with, like doing these compliance trainings, they're check the box because they were like, we don't understand how this is strategic. We don't see the ROI. And Absolutely. Well, yeah, and I don't even blame companies. Like I think historically yeah. it was just treated as a sort of a check the box activity and there weren't, um, uh, I remember coming across this study a while ago and just you know, like, surely this, like, how can this not be more well-known is about um, sexual harassment, French and training. And it showed that men after going through it exhibited more unconscious gender bias than before the training. So it was like, <laughs> oh my like, gosh. Yeah, you know, that's like kind of a bonkers like sort yeah. of um, thing. So it's like, not just that it was ineffective, but at times it was like actually harmful. And this was just the industry norm. Um, uh, I was on very recently, and then we've started to do white papers and publish our research and publish our stats. We actually just passed um, 1 million positive employee reviews um, in our oh, training. Wow. It's like, um, you know, my experience was I was never able to say, this is bad, like, this is dumb, this is irrelevant. Yeah. You know, <laughs> no one asked my opinion because I think they didn't, they didn't want it. Yeah. And so um, I think building uh, products that, really feed off of employee feedback is so important because then we can be transparent to our customers and say like, here's what, here's how your team's responding. Here's how they're learning. Here's how they're growing instead of making it this kind of black box where we just don't really share any data because the data is not very flattering. Love that. Lions, there's so many parallels to the compensation. Yeah. <laughs> um, we love to learn. Um, I love your background. We're going to weave back into this a little bit later in the chat, but we love to talk with people about their personal experiences with comp because compensation is so unique in that everyone in order to survive theoretically has to get paid, right? If that's from dividends, a job or a side hustle, whatever it is that you're doing, it's how you survive. Um, So it's a fun question we like to give people of what was your first paying job and what was it like? Yeah. 
Um, I'm trying to remember which was first. I had a little side hustle in like elementary school where oh. um, I would like print off like Winnie the Pooh magnets and things like that that would stick to the desks. And so it had oh. a little like viral growth component to it. Nice. Um, but then the teacher found out and that was um, that was a no go. Um, so I think maybe my first kind of more consistent job was I did like a mother's helper, which is kind of like pre babysitting and then rolled it in, um, when I got old enough that people would trust me with their kids alone, um, (laughs) did babysitting and like printed out business cards and, you know, knocked and, uh, I had like a pretty good gig going, you know, I I definitely got some good, um, uh, like lunch money and and things like that. Just, uh, customer referrals, very important, you know, make sure my reputation was good, high retention. And yeah. That's amazing. What a hustle for elementary (laughs) and probably I'm assuming middle to high school. And, you know, after that, you mentioned that you went into the army, which you're our first veteran on the podcast, um, and the military, you know, my first, uh, it was like my master's intern. So I don't know if that counts as the formal job was at Lockheed Martin, which is a lot of military, um, but would love to know your experience with compensation in the military, because I think it's a topic people probably could search for it, but they don't hear about it often. So I'd love to know uh, what you yeah. can share about getting compensation from a military perspective. Yeah, it was nice in that. Yeah, it has complete um, pay transparency. They publish the schedules and it's sort of a form, um, the basic components of the um your pay is like what level you enter at so I entered as a officer the most you know junior part of being an officer and then you get um, additional pay for I think like every year in service as well as promotions and then there are also um sort of monthly bonuses or things like that for certain duties so if mm. you're in combat you get a certain amount of pay if you are on airborne status meaning you jump out of a plane you get more pay if you have a language mm. specialty you get more pay etc and oh, so um, so, you know, I would always try like, um, it, it's funny how I think the airborne pay was like 200 bucks a month, but somehow that felt like, yeah, this is worth Meaningful. it. Just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not totally sure if it was, but you know, there we are. Um, yeah, so it was, it was nice in that it was just very clear. There was never any, um, question about what you were going to be making or what you needed to do to, you know, increase your, your salary. Um, mm-hmm. I think probably the flip side of it was that, there was, and you couldn't be like at the top of band. So yeah. if you were ranked one out of 10 officers in your company, you were not paid any differently than 10 out of 10, um, which mm-hmm. I feel like for people who um, really like to <laughs> win uh, can, can, That's hard. yeah, exactly. But, um, but yeah, from like a gender racial equity, like those um, uh, perspectives, I think that there's something really beneficial about um, having that kind of radical transparency. And I love um just to pick at that for a second, because I think this almost gets to the root of the issue I think a lot of companies are struggling with right now with the new pay transparency laws and the new pay equity reporting requirements, which is, you know, these laws are designed to help equal the playing field of information. And the idea is that that'll help with pay equity. But most of these companies are not military, right? So there isn't like the standardization, it's pay for performance. Mm-hmm. And so it's opening up this world where we can see pay ranges but the way to achieve it I think is sometimes not very spelled out like a lot of roles don't have oh like you jump out of an airplane we'll give you 200 bucks more it's like you have to perform relatively to our company better than the next person in line um so I'm curious you know coming from like this military background where it sounds I can imagine it was very quittable right like there's probably no 
pay disparity because that would be audited somewhere or caught very quickly. Yeah. And then going into the corporate world, what do you think has been the most eye-opening part of that? Like, you know, there's some obvious challenges, but what's maybe some subtle differences that are important to know? Um, and it's funny because I actually haven't been in like an employee in corporate America for all that long because I, mm-hmm. I started my first company was at McKinsey and now started at Athena. So, but I think like, I think you're um, hitting on something that like you can kind of pack the, you can like hide the the real meat of it. So in the, mm-hmm. um, meaning if you say like, oh, okay, we'll be transparent about pay. Uh, and you know, if you're in the top of band, you're going to make X. But then you just kind of hid the details. So like, what's top of band mean? Like, how do I get in top of band? What if, mm-hmm. am I in middle? Like, it's it's not, um, I think that at least in the space like I'm in, I often notice that regulations are very well intended, but there yeah. are many ways to kind of skirt and like adhere mm-hmm. to the letter of the, um, of the regulation, but not really the spirit. Mm-hmm. I think something I've learned, you know, in the three years I've been doing, running uh, my company is, that like really good managers provide that clarity to employees because they understand mm-hmm. what great looks like and they're comfortable talking about it and they're comfortable having those like very um, direct candid conversations. Yeah. You know, you are performing middle of band for X, Y, and Z reason. I'm going to be very specific and I'm going to give you details. And if you wanted to get to top of band or you want to get a promotion, you need to do these, you know, five things differently. And I think mediocre and not great managers kind of do things like you're doing great you're crushing it Um, or like yeah you're doing okay and it's like all of those are very vague things and it actually takes an excellent manager to be able to articulate with precision what excellent looks like um that's probably been for me like a big takeaway of um of uh uh, private sector versus the military I think that's a amazing call out because I Completely agree. Obviously, with Pequity, we do not do compensation tests. Um, I always call it out, but we have a system where it hopefully enhances pay equity because we're offering consistency um, and accuracy, and we're automating yeah. your processes to eliminate the cracks that can exist. But the reason I actually focus on that so much, people are like, why don't you do a pay equity test? Is because there are so many ways to skirt, to your point, the yes. spirit of the law. And we see it time and time again with these large companies that end up in the news where, yeah, if you're in the same role level location and performing similar work, you are paid exactly the same. There is no pay disparity. But then when you zoom out, you find women and minorities who are paid overall less because they were leveled lower or they're put into a different job category. And because that job category is different and they claim, you know, there's easy ways to claim it, right? Because everyone wears many hats. So you can say, oh, they're they're doing this one different task and that's why they're in a different group. And it breaks my heart when I see that. And I know why companies do it. I totally get it. Usually there is a good spirit where they're like, oh shoot, we see an issue. We're going to fix it. But first like to, you know, cover ourselves, we're going to do this thing. And I just, oh, that it guts me because it's like, there's ways to solve it. And I love hearing that there's companies like Athena out there who are even helping from the compliance and sexual harassment and these other things, because those are, you know, pay equity is one side of the coin this is the other side too, like how we treat people in the workplace, how we handle sensitive information, how we get through very important topics, all ties back to it too. So yeah, definitely hear you. Um, (laughs) It's interesting to think of a world where that, you know, maybe we should be like the military and it's like, 
you come into the office five minutes early every day, you get a two hundred dollar bonus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, if it was like the say. military, you would get in trouble for only being five minutes early. So, um. oh well, <laughs> maybe not. Yeah, <laughs> um, and you know, I think that your perspective is also interesting because, from what I understand, um, Athena is also fully distributed. Pequity is as well, and I know that this remote world and this world of flexible work has caused a huge conundrum for companies where they can no longer see their employees day to day. And to your point on good and bad managers, that has direct implications on compensation. So I'm wondering from your perspective, you know, what drove Athena to want to be fully distributed and remote? Um, and how has that impacted the way that you build your org and your, you know, designs around performance and compensation? Yeah, so we were around for a couple months before the pandemic hit. And so, you know, in this couple months, we were in person in New York. Um, and then the pandemic, you know, hit and stayed. Mm-hmm. And um, and so we went remote. And I'm like incredibly glad we did for I think all the reasons that people generally like remote. So we were able to hire great talent, you know, in a bunch of different places. Um, and then like for me uh personally, but you know, now I've seen uh I was the first one in the company to take maternity leave. Um, but you know, now for, for others, they see that it's like a huge impact on caregivers, like parents mm-hmm. in particular. So, you know, if suddenly, which seems to happen like every other week, my kid is sick and I need to, you know, go grab him. <laughs> like it just like, it allows, I mean, I remember I was fundraising for one of our rounds and I could like finish a pitch meeting and then go help with bath time. And um, otherwise I'd be stuck in San Francisco and some like hotel, mm-hmm. you know, and it just, it like would make it really, really difficult for me to both be um, okay. the parent I want to be and, and the leader. Um, and so I've really uh, liked it. I think there are absolutely like challenges of um, remote first and um, we've invested, you know, um, heavily in kind of building out a, a culture and a high performance culture. And so that has meant that we have, um, yeah, like kind of had to train ourselves or managers on being able to measure outputs, not inputs. Cause I think what you would normally yeah. do is mm-hmm. be like, everyone here at nine 30. Okay. You know, I'm like, um, and yeah. then if it's like, <laughs> ah, like I walked by your desk at six and you weren't there, like what's going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. and what we've really tried to emphasize is like, I don't really care if you were at your desk at 6 PM or 6 AM, mm-hmm. like live your life, you know? But what I do care about is like, I gave you these standards and you met them, you exceeded them or, or you didn't. And so really pushing uh, managers to have those um, direct conversations with their direct reports about like, you're performing to my standards or you aren't. And here's like the deviation, but it absolutely takes some coaching because it's, it is, you know, in in many ways, much easier to just look around and sort of feel like um, everyone's at their computer. They must be working, even though like, let's be real, I've been at my computer not working like many a times at a desk job. Um, but, but yeah, I think it's just a really kind of similar to what our training does, like uh, try to focus on outputs, not just, you know, did you sit there? I love that. And it aligns. I always tell people we're an output, not an input culture. And we only totally. look at the inputs when the outputs don't meet expectations, right? Yes, so, exactly. That's right. Yeah. I love hearing that as well. Um, yeah. And, you know, on that side too, of helping with managers and this training, um, I am curious to hear, you know, these new, you put out a blog recently about pay equity um, and these pay transparency laws are top of mind and they're kind of compliance driven. Everyone's freaking out with how do I meet the expectations of this law? And like, what do I have to do? Uh, would love to know your take or how you're approaching the laws and, you know, anything on pay equity as well. I think it'd be fascinating. Totally. Yeah. So we sort of embraced pay um 
transparency probably starting about a year ago we had a couple mm-hmm. of kind of cool moments or vp of engineering wrote a blog post um kind of asking like why engineers don't stay at companies longer and it went viral on like hacker news oh, and wow. so then he had a follow-up about okay we've now like designed our pay structure to encourage retention of engineers and he published it and then oh, we wow. saw this huge influx of engineers coming um applying for our jobs it was like that's interesting and um slowly throughout the org we um we started to post you know um uh uh, salary bands for our our jobs and and kind of embrace pay transparency. And so when we saw that, I think Colorado was the first, um, we're starting to mandate it. Thankfully, that actually didn't require us to do like anything very different because we, yeah. we were already doing it. The reason we were doing it is because um, see this incredible VP of people, Melanie Naranjo, and she made the pitch to me like quite early about, you know, hey, this is going to have all these benefits. And um, like, to be totally candid, I think I had maybe what would be like a sort of traditional CEO attitude of like, I don't know, transparency is scary. <laughs> like, yeah, um, it just seems scary. Like, I like having information and deciding if I want to share it or not. But once I'm forced yep. and it's all out there, that just feels scary. Um, and she really walked me through and then and then she she wrote a blog post about it. Um, and it's sort of all the reasons we've been talking about. Of, um, but I think one big one that um, I would share of like, you know, um, to kind of fellow skeptics like myself is like you have a system already it just might be mm-hmm. kind of ad hoc and messy and so this is really just like putting some structure to a thing you already do which is like you already decide yeah. how much people um, get compensated it's just now like let's let's put the thought in beforehand um, instead of um, have it be very ad hoc and reactive and each time an employee asks for something now you're like ah what do I do yeah. and so that proactive versus reactive um, element like really landed um with me because I feel like you know when you get past a certain point of employees like structure and process and operations become a huge competitive advantage if you're not Mm -hmm. walking into every meeting every one-on-one with an employee not sure if you're suddenly going to get an ask for a raise and shoot I'm going to have to respond to each of these like um (laughs) and then I think the other big line of argument that that very much resonated with me was the equity in the sense of um gender race like all of the um stats are you know just kind of like very clear that um, there are a lot of components to who, which types of employees advocate for themselves yeah. and at what frequency and that there's like consistently results in disparity. So, you know, I was like, well, we're a company that um, was like sort of born out of research on what, what's effective in this space. So we should do what's effective um, for pay. I love hearing companies that publish anything about their pay policies because it's yeah. it's very scary to people and I, I do get it but I'm also sometimes like like even at our company I'm like I want to sit down and write down word for word and I know we, I don't know there's always like sometimes a feeling of fear what um where can people is it published today can people find that um are you able to look at it yeah um they're all on our blog and I can cheat you some of the if you have show notes or something like that um I think like Matt's article on the engineering um in particular was really of interest to folks um, in tech because like getting an engineer to stay um, is like really oh, yeah. hard. Like you put a <laughs> lot of work into that. Um, and so he just published this like really thoughtful analysis, um, which is how we do it today. Melanie's blog posts up there as well. Um, so yeah, I'm happy to share all of this because I think um, we have a very like empowered decision-making kind of um, process um, at Athena. And so it was neat to see um, uh, both of these leaders just come up with like very clever solutions. I love that. And do you feel that, you know, I hear a lot of things that I also resonate. I love trying to empower my team. And I'm like, tell me what you want to do. I I don't want to hire smart people to tell them 
what to do. I want them to come in and leave there. Do you feel like that came from your previous experience? Is that something that's just innate in you? Or do you think like being in the military and this like focus on process or, you know, where, where do these inspirations come from? Yeah, I think it came from, um, Probably like uh, I loved my experience in the military, but I also found it kind of um, stifling because it is hard to take the initiative. And there's like a bunch of reasons why, like you do not want every um, person having their own idea about like yeah. how to conduct an operation. <laughs> like it's, you know, it's, it's kind of like a sports team. You you need, you know, you process and structure and yeah, exactly. A coach, <laughs> all of it. Um, but I really just liked that. And so I think um, when I was setting up uh, Athena, it felt like you know, I want people who are like, I got this and like, I'll come to you if I need something and not that other way around. And then we just like hired some, uh, in particular, like some of our early folks, like they were just phenomenal. I remember we had this, like one of our earliest employees and she was like, I have a new strategy for sales. Here's what I'm doing. And I love that she just like told me after the fact, like, and she had already started implementing it. And that just, oh, wow. um, I don't know. It's just like, I really love being around people who, if anything, you need to rein them in versus um, kind of give them ideas and structure and, and all of that. I love that. I think people can learn from it too, because uh, yeah. I think that's the kind of boss people want to work with. And I know we're coming close to the end of our chat here. So I wanted to give you the opportunity we give all of our guests, which is to shine a little spotlight on someone in your life. Um, just a little shout out to anyone that you think deserves it. Someone maybe who inspired you from your past at your work or who's just like really cool in the space that people should know about. Yeah. would love to hear who they are and what they do. Um, okay. I'm going to shout out Melanie Naranjo, our VP of people at Athena. Um, you can find her on um, LinkedIn. And I think the reason is she would be the reason that I'm here today talking to you because she really had, had a really strong perspective on um, uh, issues like uh, pay equity. And I also just think she puts out phenomenal content and really helps like um first-time managers, junior managers with like something that is really hard, which is like, how do you manage people? Like, yeah. um, that's just like, you know, being a leader is like hard. And so I, I think sometimes she'll just have things that kind of on their surface seem sort of basic five questions you can use to do an EQ check in a one-on-one or something like that. But that, I mean, I find myself being like, yeah, I should do that. Like, um, yeah. and so, yeah, um, I strongly recommend everyone to, to follow um, Melanie on LinkedIn in particular is where she puts out her stuff or, or blog posts because um, she's got a good brain. Amazing. Well, shout out to Melanie Athena, follow her on LinkedIn. Sounds like she has a lot that she could teach all of us. Um, and thank you so much, Roxanne, for being on our call today. Um, learned so much. And if anyone wants to learn more about Athena or about jobs or what you do, where can they go to learn more? Totally. They can go to our website, goathenaethena.com. Um, they can follow me on LinkedIn and I will totally get them to the right direction. There are not a lot of Roxanne Petraeuses out there. So I'm pretty yeah. <laughs> fine. Um, yeah, that'd be great. Amazing. Well, everyone reach out to Roxanne if you'd like to learn more. And thank you so much, Roxanne, for not only being on the show, but also for really pushing the line on pay equity and compensation policies. It's It takes a village to make a change. So I'm just proud that you're a part of that with us. So thank you. You bet. Thank you.